Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Time to look uh, outside our borders uh, to see what's happening uh, around the world. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again. Jonathan, good afternoon. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, right, Canada we're going to go to uh, first. And this bizarre and grim story, but it seems as if the, the, uh, the victims of it have, have uh, run, uh, won some redress. Yeah, this is uh, victims of uh, an Ottawa-based doctor by the name of Norman Barwin, who had the nickname Baby God. And he was nicknamed Baby God because he was very good at getting people who couldn't have babies, babies. Um, mm. So uh, a lot of people went to him, uh, word of mouth got around that he was good at what he did. Um, but unfortunately, it would appear that he didn't get the babies in the manner that he said he was going mm. to. And, and in some instances, he, you know, he said he was going to use the sperm of the father, uh, but he didn't. And in some cases, at least a dozen or just over a dozen, uh, he used his own. Um, so there was a class action brought against him. And, you know, the, the, the legal action, even though the legal action was only launched in 2016, this whole thing has been going on for years, right? So yeah. in 1989, a couple by the name of Davina and David Dixon, they got this Norman Barwin's help to conceive. Uh, after their daughter was born, her name was Rebecca, by the way, um, they noticed that she didn't really look like either of them. And they began to get even more suspicious when they discovered she was celiac um, and that there was no history of it in the family. Mm-hmm. So they went to Barwin. They asked him for a DNA sample. He said no. He flatly refused. And they managed to find another couple that had had a baby through with with Barwin's help and they matched uh, DNA samples and and the two of them were 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 clearly you know related in some way yeah. uh, and eventually got back to Barwin so cut a long story short he was he was he, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario they suspended Barwin in 2013 after he admitted to inseminating four women using the wrong sperm then he resigned his medical license in 2014 and he was finally deemed incompetent by the same organisation in 2019. So the result of this class action is that, you know, people will be able to get, victims will be able to get payouts of up to 50,000 Canadian dollars, um, but uh, in damages. Um, but they have to go to court and a judge must approve it. So obviously it, it can't just be a case of, oh, here's a picture of Dr. Barwin and me, I look like him, don't yeah. I give me 50 grand. You know, they're going to have to go through a process and mm. uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, did he break any law? Was there any criminal... This is the thing. Yeah. I, I <laughs> That's the thing that I wanted to know because uh, so far it seems to all be a civil case and he's been his license to practice has been revoked and he's apologised. I don't know who's paying the damages, by the way. Uh, mm. I, I have no idea. Maybe Pres- he has insurance. Uh, yes, so. it, may, it may be. But oh. that was my that was my question. Are, are there no criminal charges here at all? And mm. maybe they just haven't been brought yet. I don't know, to tell you the truth. Uh, really bizarre. And I would be very surprised if there wasn't some sort of criminal charges uh, following on from this. Are, yeah, I suppose it's such an unusual case strange. that, you know, is it fraud? Is it is it assault of some, cor- yeah, of some I, sort? Yeah, that's the thing yeah. I was kind of thinking. Is it is it a sort of an assault in, in ways? Um, uh, but uh, I couldn't find anything on, on criminal charges. But I imagine something 
will surely have to have to follow or maybe something is being investigated and can't mm. be reported because there are there is a criminal investigation ongoing. I couldn't find anything on that though. So there's at least dozens of kids now who know that he's their actual yeah. biological father and presumably there may be other ones that are going to start oh, coming forward as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. I would imagine so, yeah. And he's, well, he's not in prison so but he's just keeping the head down kind of thing. At I the assume. moment, yeah. that's, that's all I can find out about him. I mean, there's a database that's being put together now so that children can identify their father and it's not just him, by the way. So it's other fathers who mm. had contributed sperm, presumably for their own child. Oh, gosh, but it was given yeah. to other women. Yeah, uh, you know. Wow. So, so okay. it's a real mess. Right, right. Azerbaijan. Uh, we're going to go to next, and uh, 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 the death of a dissident j- uh, journalist. So they died in Georgia. Yes, this was a, a man by the name of Hussein Bashianov, and he died uh, in very. Um, strange circumstances on the 14th of July though it wasn't actually really reported until a couple of weeks later until recently Um, this guy was an opposition blogger right so just to give you a a very quick rundown um, it's uh, Ilham Aliyev who's been president for life of uh, Azerbaijan he's been there since 2003 he's one of those kind of leaders who's there for years all right Mm -hmm. wins elections by 90% and obviously, uh, you know, freedom of the press isn't high on his agenda in that part of the world, right? So this guy was at protests in, earlier this year in May. He was arrested, sent to prison for 15 days. When he got out of prison, he managed to escape uh, over from Azerbaijan and into Georgia. And he was looking for asylum there. I think he was in negotiations with a third country as well, right? Um, five days before his death, he posts a video of himself in the back of an ambulance having been beaten up by five people that he had befriended a couple of days before. Mm. And he said in the video that he couldn't prove it, but he had his suspicions that it might have something to do with the Azeri government, who are known for sending people out of their country to get mm. opposition bloggers and YouTubers and the like. He then goes, manages to find a job in a hotel, apparently. And during a tour of this hotel on the 14th of July, his first day, he goes up to the roof and apparently commits suicide. Now, this is according to the lawyer representing the hotel. Now, why a lawyer is coming out straight away to represent the hotel, I'm not 100% sure. But to me, I don't know if yeah. how you feel about it, but yeah. it seems a little bit fishy. Five days before he dies, he's attacked. He gets a job, apparently. This is what the hotel are saying. He's up on the roof and he decides after going through all of that thing of leaving Azerbaijan, still blogging, still, you know, doing videos about, you know, the Azeri government, Mm. he then decides to go and throw himself off a roof while he's getting a tour of the hotel. There is quite a bit of suspicion around that. So an investigation is being launched. The Georgian authorities are working off that premise that he did commit suicide. Uh, But uh, I would imagine that uh, there will be... Other Our relations between Georgia and Azerbaijan are they mm. uh, are they so cordial that they would just take their word for it kind I, of thing? I don't know to be honest with you. I'd, I'd have to look a little bit into that. All right, mm. but uh, certainly to me, it 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 it, it stinks of a bit of a cover up. All right. Yeah, but of course, in that part of the world, mm. it, various regimes are becoming bolder and bolder in terms of uh, they can reach past the past the, their own borders yeah, absolutely. To, to silence people who yeah. are criticising them. Uh, right, uh, we're going to go to, well, it's, I suppose this is uh, the Turkish part of Cyprus, really, is essentially what this is about. Uh, a bit of a spat between the EU and, and uh, President of uh, Turkey, uh, Erdogan. Erdogan, yeah. Um, so this is a visit that Mr Erdogan paid to Cyprus, the Turkish part of it. Um, since what 1974 wasn't that when the the Greek mm. um, regime fell and Turkey invaded and took over a part of the island? 
and they control a third of the island, basically. And uh, one of the towns that they control is a, a, a place called Varosha. It's actually um, a suburb of a bigger town called Famagusta, which in the 60s and 70s was a famous hotel holiday resort, right? So Raquel Welch and all of those kind of people spend time there and that kind of thing. Very famous throughout Europe. But when the Turks came in in 1974, people left the city and it's been abandoned pretty much ever, ever since, right? So they were ba- they, it was mainly populated by Greek Cypriots. Mm-hmm. So when they right. knew the Turks were coming, okay. they left, right? And, and nobody's been in it ever since. So it is effectively a ghost town. And on his visit to Turkish Cyprus, uh, Erdogan said that he was going to clear the city, he was going to tidy it up and he was going to open it up again. Now, this flies in the face of uh, UN resolution, Security Council Resolution 550, which basically says that the only people who should attempt to settle that place are the people who lived there before Previously. 1974. Yeah. And mm-hmm. any attempt to do so, you know, uh, it w- will get you into trouble, let's say. So this move is... Yet again, another little provocation by Erdogan in that part of the world. The EU have said, no, you can't do this. But you've always got to remember with Erdogan that he's standing at a door basically going, I've got 3.6 million Syrians here that I'm going to send into Europe if you send me (laughs) any way wrong. At the moment, there are negotiations going on between Turkey, Cyprus, Greece about what to do with Cyprus. They've been going okay and then they stall and Mm. then something like this happens. Um, the EU at the moment are trying to get Turkey, specifically Erdogan, to fall more into line and to, you know, get relations between the bloc and himself to improve them. Yes. Um, And he does this every now and again to try and extract more money out of them, effectively. This is just to wind them up because I would would fail to see why a part of Cyprus would be particularly important uh, to Turkey anyway. Well, it's, you know, symbolically, it, it's it's Turkish Cyprus, you know, it has yeah, its own, it's its own it, yeah. country. It's yeah. recognised, they say, you know, it's, it's not recognised by anybody else except, except Turkey. for Turkey, you know. <laughs> uh, so it is symbolically very important to them, you know. Mm, I bet, I, I bet, as part of this, then, is he essentially arguing, you know, this is a two-state solution, we should leave permanently, permanently divided? Well, the, he wants a two-state solution because, of course, nobody else recognises the, the second state, which is Turkish Cyprus, except yeah. for himself. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so look, in reality, what's going on is there's been two states there for years. Yeah. And they, they run independently of each other. But nobody recognises the situation. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably what he, wa- he wants. You know, this guy is, is a guy who wants to reinvent, you know, the old, uh, the old empire. Yeah, the Ottoman Empire. He really empire. does, the Ottoman yeah. Empire. And uh, he, he, he would love something like this. Uh, he'd be seen he'd be seen it back at home as a great diplomat if he got this state to be recognised. You know? uh, right, Burkina Faso, uh, we're going to go to next. Uh, the uh, former president's brother has been extradited from France. Uh, uh, what did, why did they want to get their hands on him? Yeah, so you remember Blaise Compaore, who mm. uh, was forced to resign in 2014 after uh, 27 years in power. Francois was uh, kind of a sidekick of his. And uh, Francois wound up in France a couple of years ago. I think it was 2017. He was arrested in France because there was an international warrant. And Francois is wanted for his part in a murder. Uh, they reckoned that he ordered a hit on a, a chap by the name of Norbert Zongo, who was a journalist investigating uh, Francois for um, for the murder of uh, his driver, in fact. So oh. um, Zongo wound up dead I think it was in the late 80s uh, along with three of his colleagues he was he was found in a burnt out car his remains were charred 
And there was always suspicion that although Francois didn't carry out the murder himself, that he had ordered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But because his brother was in power. Yeah, you know, no, no, untouchable. He yeah, he was yeah. untouchable. He was never brought to court. So when 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 Campore, President Campore, uh, left the post, um, the the authorities in Burkina Faso relaunched an investigation, and they want him back. And the French have agreed to send him back um, to Burkina Faso. Right. Okay. And it seemed to have taken quite some time uh, uh, to to extract him from France. Yeah, he, he was fine. Yeah, it. they. As I said, he was arrested when October two thousand and seventeen. Then uh, it went to trial and he, he appealed. Right, obviously, okay. and, and so it went all the way up to the, the Council of State. And even then, he's now gone to the European Court of Human Rights because he fears torture. So, so they came back and they said, right, by today, France, you have to prove that if you're sending him back, that he's not going to be tortured. Now, how they're going to do that, I don't know. Yeah, but they're okay. putting the responsibility on France to look after it. Uh, so it's an interesting one. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, Ghana, we're going to go to na- uh, next. And uh, this is a, a depressing feature of in many countries uh, in that continent, unfortunately, an, an anti-gay bill. Yeah, so already um, gay sex is, is forbidden and, and it's it's known as unnatural carnal knowledge. I think it's a, it wasn't Ghana British, as far as I know, back in the day. Uh, I think there was a French Ghana and a British Ghana. There yeah, was two bits okay, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, anyway. It's oh, sorry, I'm thinking of Ghana. I'm thinking of not Ghana. Yeah. Well, this yeah. was a hangover from yeah. that time, anyway, and it's and it's and it's carried through, um, and it would be known for its lack of tolerance around gay rights. Okay, so it's already criminalised, um, but they're bringing in a bill that will make it uh, even worse. So you'll get a longer term if you uh, you're involved in gay sex. Sex toys are banned. Any sort of trans medical care is banned. Although there is, if you are caught or if you come out as being gay and you decide to go into conversion therapy they'll reduce your sentence apparently oh, gosh. right so it's uh, it's very strict so even you know being an advocate or uh, being a member of the LGBT community would be punishable by five years in prison so it's uh, it's it's pretty harsh and this kind this bill is, is what kind of support does it have among the public huge mm-hmm. huge from what we know I mean, the guys who are promoting it's going to. There's no way that's not going to pass. It's definitely going to get through Parliament. Uh, 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 I'll stop there because I don't want to get I don't want to get in trouble. But it has huge support. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's called the Promotion of Proper Human Sexual Rights and Ghanaian Family Values Bill 2021. Catchy. Uh, nothing scary about that at all. Uh, right. Some more. We're going to go to next. Uh, they've got their first woman uh, prime minister. Yeah, 64 year old Fiamme Naomi Matafa. Uh, she succeeds uh, Tui Lepa Malaili Goe. Uh, nice short names. Uh, he's been around for 22 years, and he didn't really want to give up. I mean, the election was three months ago. Uh, you might you might remember there was there was a there, there was some political shenanigans going on about uh, a wafer thin uh, majority that uh, that he had lost, um, and there was a whole constitutional crisis. He went as far as to actually close the parliament, and this woman Fiami uh, Mataafa, the new president, went with her followers and 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 the candidates who had been elected alongside her, and they were sworn in outside the court. And that, oh, uh, sorry, outside Parliament, and yeah. that then went to a constitutional court, and they said, "Yeah, we'll take that. You're the new president." And uh, the former president has now since resigned. But it's a big deal in the area because this is not something that happens in you know in the South Pacific very much. Mm. Um, I think she's she's certainly the first female president, or sorry, prime minister in this particular country. 
I'm not sure about other countries in the area where they, they've had many before, to be honest. Right, OK. And was he holding out, hoping perhaps the military might back him or something they like had that? Both ac- yeah, they had yeah. both accused each other of staging a coup. Um, mm. But thankfully, um, they, they managed to keep the violence away and, uh, and uh, sense prevailed. Right, uh, Ecuador, we're going to go to uh, finally, where there uh, a lot of the flower industry is changing. It is. I thought this was an interesting story. Um, they're changing to planting hemp on land that's traditionally used for roses, right? And they're mm. taking advantage of the rise in uh, cannabinoid products that are being sold all over the world uh, for various different things. But it's also been spurred on by declining sales in what is a huge industry for Ecuador. Flowers are amongst their biggest imports, apparently, and they are in the top three, depending on what type of flower you're looking at, mm. exporters in the world. I think themselves, the Netherlands and Colombia are the three biggest exporters. But because of the nature of their industry, they were hit very badly by coronavirus last year. Around Mother's Day and Valentine's Day, right. the lockdown yeah. happened and so their sales fell. And um, So uh, that's half of their revenue is gone. Uh, Ecuador's flower growers sold just 40% of what they did do typically. Um, so some of them have changed and decided that they're going to use their land for uh, for other products and, and hopefully get out of the uh, the uh, budgetary problem that they're in. Right, yeah. And, and I suppose the thing about the, the hemp is that there's demand all year round yeah. and uh, it's uh, sold increasingly around the world. Absolutely. And, and, it's be, and it's become kind of more acceptable, not just the you know the, the stuff that you smoke, but yeah. also oh, no, the Oh, no, and stuff, this is you know? the medical stuff. Yeah, than, absolutely. Yeah, it's not, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, pot plants is necessarily. No. Right, so what should we look out for uh, over the next uh, week or so? Yeah, the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh is starting on Friday. Yeah. Uh, an so an actual one? Or yeah, I think there'll be right. people there and oh, everything. It'll be, it'll be strange. Um, Kirsty Wark will be presenting, no doubt, uh, so it'll be good to see her there. Uh, Turkmenistan, uh, we were speaking about these guys earlier actually, uh, Erdogan, uh, his uh, Azerbaijan counterpart, Ilham Aliyev, and good old Turkmenistan President Gurban Guli Berdi Mukamedov, a favourite of this particular Show, <laughs> yes, indeed. Are meeting for a consultation on the 6th of August, that's Friday, and then Thursday week there will be presidential elections in Zambia, which uh, promised to be quite interesting indeed. Yeah, will he give him another? Didn't he give uh, oh no, he gave Putin a dog? Did he? Well, Gerben Gooley? Yeah, I can't remember. He's which mad one of into them dogs, was. they have like National Dog oh, they Day, do, and he's they do. Yeah, books yeah, about dogs yeah. and yes, uh, everything. Yes, I can't right. remember if it was him, it might have been another one, but yeah. uh, it could well have been. <laughs> But dogs all around for everybody. Jonathan, thanks a million for coming into us uh, today. Jonathan DeVerka Butler there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Will you take cash? Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.